Welcome to BDFM. I'm D. I'm B. We're going to talk about some television. We're going to talk about some uh, politics. We're going to talk about some every current event that's going on right now. We're going to do fix and talk about some um, love making. (laughs) Which, yeah, there may be some in these episodes. Taking some... um, there may be some. Not in my not in mine. Maybe in your episode. Oh yeah. Uh mine is really old. Yours is uh very new. We're each gonna pick a uh episode of television that is um uh, memorable or formative in some way that we remember watching from our past, whether the past be last month or thirty years ago. That's what we do every week. And then uh we'll, we'll do a little summary of the episode and we'll talk about it. Yes, if you would like to go Find these episodes where they're streaming and give them a rewatch, you can. Or uh, maybe you remember the episode or maybe you don't. It's up to you if you want to rewatch it. It's all in your hands. As we've discussed in previous episodes, there may not be free will, but at least it seems like there is. Mm -hmm. So at least it seems like you have the choice of what you're doing, even if the universe is making that choice for you. But we do know that it has been predestined since the beginning of time that the protons of these episodes... What did I say? The photons that make up these TV shows are going to jump into your eyeballs. And Mm. uh, either they will or they won't. Yeah, something like that. Only the fifth dimensional beings from Interstellar can tell us. Yeah. They they just look down at us like we're a crystal uh, in time with our past, present, and future all laid out. So, speaking of sci-fi nonsense, my choice this week, uh, being um, 2023, finally. Mm -hmm. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, y'all, and you. We witnessed uh, on Christmas Day something amazing, which was... A miracle. An AI robot. That <laughs> was on Christmas Day. Uh, a son was born. Yes, and on, a, on and a star Day. in the sky, and some old men who claimed to be kings uh, mm-hmm. showed up at our doorstep. It was Christmas Day in the morning, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't three ships I saw come sailing in, but perhaps, perhaps a new species entirely. <laughs> uh, we witnessed um, an AI robot. Um, being purchased for a uh, youngin, a kid in <laughs> mm-hmm. the, in the family, being gifted to uh, gifted to one of my parents. to one of the the younglings. Yeah, it was amazing how this robot. It it's like a little AI. It reminds me. We're not going to watch Black Mirror today, although that would be a great idea. Um, yeah, put there, it on there's the a list. Black Mirror episode where Miley Cyrus is a pop star in some stretch of uh, the future. But then her like consciousness is downloaded into robots and being sold to people, and and that she's like, mm. her soul is actually trapped in this robot, which seems to have a primitive form of AI. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's like her, yeah, like in a in a in a weird toy prison. It's like if you could have a little Ariana Grande, in a who lives with you. Yeah, but as your their personality that sounds horrible. Well, I know, and Black Mirror is always it seems to always be about the hells that we have built for ourselves yeah. right there it's always about Ariana hell Grande? <laughs> that's a black mirror episode in itself um, who'd you rather live with pete davidson or ariana Grande? Yeah, pete 
Really? Well, are you well, sure? Okay, right, right. Unless we're, unless we're banging. Yeah. No, I think Ariana Grande would be an annoying. I'm sorry. I know that she listens to this podcast. I don't think she'd be make a good roommate. She licks donuts at the donut shop. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Miley, I though, know. I think Miley would be a fun roommate. Sure. Yeah. She would. Uh, she'd bring her dad over, and he'd be a riot. <laughs> yeah, we play we play guitars with Billy Ray. Yeah, he'd come over, jam with you. He'd just be so supportive of you know, of anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, would he? Seems like he a great. Think I could dad. play him some of my songs, and he would be supportive. Yeah, he'd be like, dude, let's get this made. You can be my Bernie <laughs> to your John Lithgow. No, what was I trying Bernie, to say? Bernie Toppin <laughs> to my Elton John. Elton John. Bernie Toppin to my Elton John. That's a that's a source of a perennial argument. Uh, what? Between me and my mother, which is that she's like, Bernie Toppin wrote all those songs. He's, pretty, he's really the talented one. And I'm like, mom, a vocal performance is... A vocal performance. Yeah. A singer is an artist, They're even if they didn't both write the words. Definitely talented. Like, she's very much a songwriter. Although Bernie, yeah, is probably you know. the more talented uh, lyric writer. Probably. But, uh, but can he belt them? I don't know. It's neither like, here nor there. Like John Lithgow? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, okay, so we saw this yeah. AI robot this in, in Christmas 2022 that seemed quite impressive. It clearly. You could tell it was an algorithm because it screwed up a lot, but it was a real step up from to the children, pretty much on their level. It, it seemed like it was a, it was a sentient three-year-old kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna watch Small Wonder, the pilot. I love it. Episode, which I definitely saw. It came out in 1985, September 1985. So I was 11. I definitely saw this air on TV, as a lot of people did. I think it was pretty popular when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It was very, it, it very clearly became clear. It very soon became clear that it's a terrible show with bad acting and <laughs> terrible writing. But it was a weird sci-fi show that was on prime time. Yeah, on like- they were talking about AI, talking about robots, talking about humaniform robots. That would one day, you know, perhaps walk among us. I'm, I I believe that without Small Wonder, there could be no HBO's Westworld. <laughs> it was the, a her predecessor. Her skin, the way her skin looked, I mean. To Westworld. Um, uh, predecessor to... Um, Vicky. Yeah. Vicky is the robot. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's V-I-C-I. You want to guess what that stands for? Oh, my God. Um, this v. is like ALF. ALF was the... Uh, the, oh man, I can't. I guess what the V is. That's good, that's really getting me stuck. Video imaging. Well, you <laughs> wouldn't think voice. Oh. Input. Child. Identicant. That. What? Identicant. What is an identicant? Whoa! But it's it's very um. Voice. It, that's very uh, Philip Dick. It's very. It sounds like a replicant. Oh, I an guess. An identicant uh, is. Uh, yeah, the writer must have been a. We're gonna pick this apart for deep sci-fi by references. Uh, directed by John Bawab, written by Howard Leeds. So this is season one, episode one, the pilot of Small Wonder. Does it have yeah. a title besides pilot? It's called Vicky's Homecoming. Mm. So Ted Lawson is the dad of the family. It's a family sitcom where the dad is an engineer who makes a, a little girl robot with a little dress on, which 
also brings up lots of questions about how accurate did he sculpt this tiny human that he made in his laboratory. Is there a Seems daughter really in creepy. the family or is there no, a son in the family? No, there's a son in the family. Okay, and it so very she's much standing seems in like as the daughter. A, a stand in for they wanted a daughter kind of thing. Wow, I don't know. Interesting. I don't remember exactly what happens. Uh, I'm definitely sure I saw this and um, it's crazy and probably mm-hmm. terrible, but it will be interesting to see. So 30, we're almost 40 years from that coming out. Anyway, it will be interesting to see what in, in the almost 40 years since this came out, like what they got right and wrong, because we we've talked about ai before and it's really in sort of the public eye right now because it's starting to fucking come alive it's like we're almost there we're almost to the point where we might like this toy robot that we witnessed might be better it's probably not as good as the depiction of the robot in small wonder but sure pretty close anyways mm-hmm. that's what i wanted to talk talk about it's funny that you brought up that we talked about there's a son in the family of Small Wonder and Vicky sort of stands in for their desire for a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have been thinking about gender identity specifically with how we socialize and gender kids. Mm. I think about, I've always thought about this a lot, but I haven't had vocabulary for it because I am the youngest and the only girl in my family. So I grew up with big brothers So I've always had a lot of feelings about like how I was socialized in a different way to be a different sort of person and what it would have been like if my brothers and I had lived in a, you know, in some post-gender AI future or something. Uh, Who who would we be? Um, Post-gender AI? Yeah. Okay. Will the AIs have gender? Bookmark. That's what, yeah. That's what I'm fascinated by. Yeah. How are they going to feel about it? So the episode of TV that I'm bringing to the table today is an episode of the show our flag means death yay i cannot wait to revisit the show so excited because i have restrained myself amazingly i've only watched the whole show which is one season so far all the way through one time me too um because i think it's because i'm like i can't get so obsessed yet until season two is at least like a little (laughs) closer yeah it's on its way though yeah that's that's a good point um, I only wanted more when it ended, and if I watch it again now, I will only want more until it comes. Yeah, Our Flag Means Death uh, is one of the few shows that has really well-written non-binary representation yeah, of, of the past five years or so, and um, more than one, several characters. Yeah, the this NB character whose uh, whose background is sort of delved into a little bit in this episode is Jim, the icon, the legend. Oh, th- the this is gym. the Jim episode. It's it's oh my God. it's one of several Jim episodes, but in this episode, uh, Jim, Jim Jim is discussing. Yeah, I think Jim has been outed and is uh, discussing their identity with the crew and sort of asking for respect. Um, and yeah, there's a lot okay. of other really cool stuff that happens in this episode. It's the one where Steed meets Blackbeard. Um, yes, Blackbeard it, it, and, played and by talks, Taika Waititi, and it's just like, yeah, so perfect amazing character and their um their relationship their budding friendship Mm -hmm. their instant connection um and it's a lot about steed's feelings about compulsory heterosexuality (laughs) so it's a queer it's a very queer episode of a show that as we all know there have been a lot of shows like this that have perhaps 
baited audiences with possibility of gayness and this show went all in this show is just unapologetically and not even like it doesn't wave a flag saying this is a gay show it's just like Mm -hmm. it just is it just represents people of different races definitely different genders and different orientations very matter-of-factly as Mm -hmm. if they're just as normal and they are but most shows don't treat them as such yeah yeah it's great and that can be that can be done clumsily or it can be done deftly and in this Mm. show it's it's always done deftly sure you know like just being like it's also what we do in the shadows is sort of a sister show um does Mm -hmm. a very similar job of just integrating people of different um identities together but um, sure. yeah, I can't wait to see the show again, and it'll be a great uh, sorbet after we watch the the terrible <laughs> <laughs> Small Wonder, nineteen eighty five. Yes, let's watch Small Wonder first, and we'll we'll take some notes on whether AI. Um... And you know, a big question is going to be whether AI itself is gendered, feminized. That's what we promise to solve by the end of this episode. We're going to talk about it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to give you concrete answers on all of your questions <laughs> uh, because we know. As always, we're going to record uh, ourselves watching these episodes and post watch-alongs, which if you will be kind enough to um, contribute to our Patreon, you can see some of the watch-alongs. Or you can find the watch-alongs on garage tv app on ios and android and that's garage.tv on the web g-r-a-g-e.tv where um if you become a subscriber to garage tv you can watch our watch logs although as b just said if you don't watch want to watch the watch logs just keep listening and we'll give you a summary of the shows that we've just seen when we come back BDFM is partially brought to you by Schoon. Schoon is a new way of thinking about food and how we nourish our bodies. All you have to do is input your daily food intake into a complicated spreadsheet with color-coded calorie counting hashtags that will tell you if the food... It makes you a better person or a bad person. You'll spend hours entering data. With Schoon, you don't have to give up your favorite foods. You just have to analyze them obsessively and mm-hmm. constantly think about it. Constantly you don't even want to look it. at food after we're done with you. Schoon uses revolutionary, time-tested hypnotherapy techniques that say things like, what are you, what are you eating that? Imagine doing math all day and being screamed at and also uh, eating anything you want. For me, that was 11th grade. (laughs) The first 100 users of Schoon to sign up with code BDFMPOD will receive 10 pounds off of your body free. (laughs) Don't ask how. And now we'll play the theme song. (laughs) Schoon! We're back, mm. just recovering after watching 
a terrible pilot from 1985, Small Wonder, and uh, an amazing show from this year, 2022. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Last year, oh my, 2022. Gosh, you're right. Being that it's one one twenty three today. I'm still writing 1985 on all my checks, <laughs> but it is 2023, mm-hmm. and um, it is fitting indeed because Small Wonder gave us a vision of the near future. A vision of a time when, of now, when robots could uh, walk around and give base very basic responses to voice commands. And as we said up top, that time is now. We may be further along than than they predicted. In Small I think Wonder. so. Mm-hmm. Also, we have the internet, which didn't exist yet and was completely impossible to predict. Well, yeah, I'm sure somebody might have seen it coming, but. Sure, there was a proto. It was hard to predict that all the information of the entire human species would be available in the airwaves and for, for a robot to just grab out of the air mm-hmm. at any moment. Anyway, let me give yes. a, um, a summary of that. Small Wonder, the pilot called Vicky's Homecoming. We watched it on YouTube. It aired in uh, 1985. Everyone from some age on remembers this song. It's so catchy. So Ted Lawson is the dad. He's an engineer. Basically, the inciting incident is he brings home a giant suitcase, Mm -hmm. a metal suitcase from work. And his wife's like, is this why you've been spending all those late nights (laughs) at work? It sounds very much like he's uh, got a second family on the side or something. (laughs) And then he opens a briefcase and there's a disturbing bunch of doll parts but they're they're the size of a 10 year old human girl or eight year old or something yeah now what is why does he say he has to bring it home anyway i I decided it was in good enough shape to show it to him today he wouldn't even discuss it oh what is it oh so it's his His project and his boss like canceled the project basically his project which is a v-i-c-i a voice input child Voice input child identikant. Identikant. The dad brings home the disassembled robot, and then in the next scene, he's assembled this robot. He unplugs this, you know, what it, we what now we know would be, what, an HDMI it's cable? It's a bus, yeah, <laughs> basically, HDMI cable. He takes out a cable that's about that size. That's plugged into her armpit, and then she gets up, and she starts to talk. It's a very rudimentary AI. It's so rudimentary. She just sort of repeats everything she's told. But we must remember that at the time, I mean, in my childhood, in the early 90s, it was like voice command was a go-to like shortcut for near future technology that we don't have yet, but that will be amazing when it comes. Mm -hmm. So it was like, can you imagine if you could just be like, TV, turn on, and it would just turn on. That, that, That was insane to think that. That would ever yeah. happen. We thought that was. I mean, this was very. We knew it would happen futuristic. eventually. I guess if you were in electronics in the nineties, maybe you knew more than I did as a kid. But anyway, it, that know. alone in is the. This seemed like way far in the future. Okay, so the little boy befriends her, and well, I don't know if he's humanizing her enough to befriend her, but he is sort of making an alliance with her. He makes an alliance. He says, "I'll teach he's you." He's not stuff. being too. Mi- if you teach yeah, me stuff, and then he's much. like, how are babies made? And she's like, I don't have that info. Yeah, that's funny. He actually relates to her as if she has the internet. He's kind of thinking she might know things. 
They mm-hmm. they all the whole family just accepts this. By the way, that the, this <laughs> little girl suddenly is in their house. So the the boy and Vicky sneak out of the house to go buy the parents a present. There's a robot in the store. It's a robot clown in the store, and it's not it's not as advanced as Vicky. Oh yeah, it's just so like a Vicky walks up to it, and and the robot crouches down. And then Vicky is imitating it, so she crouches down. And inexplicably, the <laughs> store manager walks up and grabs the, the clown robot and carries it away. And then grabs Vicky, thinking she's a robot, even though she looks exactly like mm-hmm. an 8-year-old, 10-year-old girl. And Vicky doesn't say anything, so he just carries... Yeah, so she is a robot, but she looks like a girl. But the guy thinks she's a robot instead of a girl. I don't, it's I as if no we're idea. meant to think... Well, she doesn't look that much like a real girl. She she basically looks like a big, tall robot, which isn't that impressive except for the fact that she has voice command, which no one can know because that's like CIA level technology no one knows about. But I she know, looks I, like a doll to I these I honestly don't people? understand what the writers, <laughs> what the fuck writers <laughs> think. Honestly, this show is irresponsible to me. <laughs> I don't understand what they think robots are. It It, make, it doesn't make sense. The robots look exactly like people, but also anyone in this world can tell they're robots. I mean, well, I mean, when we get close-ups of, you know, we get close-ups of how she has a control panel in her back. You know, yeah. her skin is so sort of plasticky. I think we're to believe that... If we could get a closer look, we would see the seams. <laughs> I think if they did a close-up, it would be like a Ren and Stimpy close-up of just <sighs> horrific um, robot skin. I, yeah, I don't, know. I don't a- know. Anyway, it's crazy. They So the manager locks Vicky the robot in with the clown robot in a closet and jamie the kid doesn't try to stop them he goes oh no he's just watching he just it watches this happen and then he goes to the door and he's <laughs> like vicky how, can you solve the problem of how to get out of the closet and by the way coming out of the closet scenes in both shows that we watched today yes um so she she basically she just like pushes down the door which suddenly has no hinges whatsoever she just pushes it down easily which is supposed <laughs> to demonstrate how strong she is we, we see another demonstration of her holding a 10 gallon jug of water over her head like it's nothing okay so they run out of the store after vandalizing it and they they get home and the parents they try to sneak back in the house and the parents are wide awake because it's in the middle of the afternoon yeah it makes sense. and they were awake a long time ago <laughs> we saw they were awake a long time ago the we don't see how left. the kids got out of it's the house hours later yeah it's the parents didn't freak out that their eight-year-old boy and new new Ugh. robot girl were missing they were just standing in the kitchen waiting for them yeah now to be fair they were standing with their arms crossed they looked they looked peeved when they come they in, they're peeved. like, why did you take her out of the house? They don't say her. They say it the whole time. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of pronouns, they? We, we have this reaction to Vicky, like she should be humanized. You know, I think which we've been trained as science fiction readers and, yeah. you know, uh, consumers of nerd media. I think we feel her humanity now than in 1985 because they keep saying like, it's, it's a robot. You know, it, it's this and that. They treat her well, like we're the people at Westworld. Not to call things it, even even yeah. robots. We 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 use pronouns with you know the Moxie robot, which is the new toy this year that came out. Mm-hmm. It's an AI toy that I was talking about in the intro. The Moxie robot that we witnessed, most people would refer to it as a her, not as an it. It's, right. That's probably right. It's gender feminized, feminine. 
mm-hmm. and you wouldn't call it it. It seems wrong. It seems like you know. It's like referring to a dog as it. Most people refer, don't. Most most people wouldn't refer to your dog or cat as it. It it does seem not even dehumanizing. It's de life. We need. We're gonna have to come up with a new word for dehumanizing. De life because de- you've got de aliving. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a uh, it's um it's I think agent. I think they start calling it her in later in the series. I think. Anyway, the parents are mad until Jamie hands them the present, which is like way more than a kid should need to be responsible for in his parents' anniversary. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, what? Honestly, kids should not know when their parents' anniversary is. They should not (laughs) need to buy their parents a present on their anniversary. And if they try to make breakfast, that's plenty. That's a huge attempt. (laughs) But anyway, okay, Harriet is the little redhead pigtail girl next door who's always peeking in the windows. So she has found out about Vicky. And the kid's like, would you believe she's my sister? And Harriet's like, no, it takes nine months to make a baby. So anyway, they tell the neighbor that she's a cousin, and I think that that's the lie they go with the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, Vicky, I've had enough of you for one day. You've been a bad robot. You said you liked me. Well, I did this morning. Okay, so he closes her in the closet at home. But that's sort of the punchline of the show. I can I think. see I'm going to have nothing but trouble with you. <laughs> trouble. And then she smiles. So he that's a key element. Elliot taught her earlier what a smile was. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it's like this. So now the punchline of the episode is that she does a dumb kid smile. And she's going to be trouble for oh everybody. Anyway, that's small wonder. It. I wanted to t- take a look back at it because we have burgeoning AIs coming out now that are looking very close to human intelligence and philosophers like Kurzweil have literally predicted that before 2030 that we'll have robots, AI algorithms that are indistinguishable from humans and that's very close. And and, um, in fact, this Moxie robot that uh, a relative of ours got on Christmas is more advanced than the Vicky robot from Small Wonder. So in 40 years, we have surpassed the expectations for sure. Okay, that's my summary. All right. Then we watched, we cleansed our palate with a much better show. We watched the fourth episode of the first season of Our Flag Means Death. It's called Discomfort in a Married State. This is the one in which Blackbeard and Steed finally meet. Steed has been stabbed. So he's in a he's in a feverish state for most of the for the first half of the episode, uh, and he's having fever dreams and uh, remembering the circumstances that brought him into piracy while he's lying there having these fever dreams. Blackbeard, whose name is Ed, uh, played by Taika Waititi. Is Ed, w- who's, which is uh, historical, uh, Edward... Uh, yes, Edward Teach. Teach, the actual um, Blackbeard. Yeah, and Steed Bonnet, also historical, also a real guy. He was the gentleman pirate, and he rode around with Blackbeard for a time. That's awesome. I want to I want to get more into that story, but anyway, yeah. please proceed. So Blackbeard stays by his side as he's sweating through these fever visions yeah blackbeard just kind of watching him like quizzically like hmm who is this weird guy yeah blackbeard Um, is fascinated by his whole his whole thing peasants no 
for love. Mary has acreage. So we see Steed remembering his his forced marriage, basically, mm-hmm. to Mary, who he's not in, at all interested in, who's not interested in him at all. Yeah, and we see their very difficult married life. They try to make a life with their two children, and they cannot connect with each other. They try to show each other the things that interest them. Steed and his wife have no connection. Steed has a connection to the kids, which is playing pirates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he wants adventures. He wants to have fun and... Yeah, having fun with his kids. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to be a bad dad, except that he might be just a little depressed uh, and except hard to reach sometimes. Ends up leaving them, but and then he abandons them. Yes, another thing. Um, which is what he's suffering with guilt over. He's he's sort of dealing with the fact that he, after his wife, appeals to him that they only have one life and they should at least try to get along, even though they never would have chosen each other. Which is so rough. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, it, it it spurs him to do what he was already planning to do. He's already been having this ship made. He springs it on his wife by showing her the model. It's a toy? It's a model of a ship. They're looking at the model ship. What would you ship. say to living on something like that? You, me, the kids. Let's see. Mm. Why terrifying. on earth would we do that? I don't know. Break the monotony. Our life feels monotonous to you? No. No, it doesn't, does it? (laughs) Um, I just think that... Why waste our time here, day after day, doing the same old thing, when we could be doing this? We could be on a ship, having adventures. You know, I hate the ocean. I said so just the other day. What? When? When we were standing by the fucking ocean! I don't want a boat, Steed! We find out that he has built a ship. He just hasn't mm-hmm. told his wife. And he was Ugh. trying to break it to her, but... Uh. Yeah, for some reason, uh, pr- possibly because he doesn't pay too much attention to her or understand her very well, he thought that she might say yes to this. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe he thought, like, well, if we're having adventures, this happens to a lot of couples, I'm sure, where it's like, well, maybe if we were on a boat, it would work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe if we, you know... Yeah. If we changed our, our surroundings... What it, w- we were watching 30 Rock recently, and Jack Donaghy is like, what, what baby? If we have a baby, things will calm down. Things will calm down. <laughs> oh, dangerous, dangerous um, line of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, they're unhappy, and um, yeah. uh, she, fi- she gives them the final speech that... Um, I know we never would have chosen each other, not in a million years, but all we have is this one life. We have to try, don't we? Otherwise, what's the point? She's saying that to get him to stay, but that's like the catalyst for him to leave because what's the point? Mm-hmm. He begins to wake up. It sees that Blackbeard is, is there sitting by his bed. He doesn't introduce himself as Blackbeard because Steed asks, do you work for Blackbeard? And he's like, oh, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do work idea. for Blackbeard, which is great. He introduces himself as Ed. Um, there are more Spanish ships coming. They're seen far off by Izzy and uh, Spud. Izzy is um, Blackbeard's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Izzy really hates this whole situation. Ba- basically, what they usually do is 
murder the whole crew, take the ship, and sail on. And that's what Izzy thinks is going to happen. And for some reason, Blackbeard takes a liking to, to this mm-hmm. this particular captain and the crew, decides yeah. to keep them all alive and sort of, you know, buddy up with them. Mm-hmm. He also finds his life to be monotonous. He's not excited about fighting people. Everyone just surrenders to him. Blackbeard. Because he's such a terrifying pirate. Then he says, he realizes do you want to do something crazy? Yes. Well, he re- well he realizes as as they're having their first conversation just before Steed finds out who he's really talking to, Ed reveals or Ed sort of discovers that he really likes the fine fabrics that Steed has lying around all these like sumptuous surroundings. Mm-hmm. He's like really he's like kind of finding himself very comfortable um, in and this very fancy place where he's he has been living living pretty rough steed shows him his secret closet that mm-hmm. has a, uh, a hidden entrance and they both go into the closet yes, together they go uh, and, and the hide from izzy yeah, in the closet. izzy comes into the suite and you realize wait a minute they're in the closet right now um this is not an accident not just because no. we like to read uh, semiotics into every scene because we're strict Jungians, but um, <laughs> but it's not just that. It's that th- you know this is a, a show about queer characters. Uh, spoilers for the rest of the season, you know. But you've walked into a show where the characters are going to engage in gay kissing. Um, yeah. At some point, and so so these characters, at you know, least. we you can see. I think you can see if you're paying attention that they have an int- an attraction to each other. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not just like they don't necessarily understand it completely themselves yet and maybe that's why um the closet is sort of used metaphor metaphorically in that way metaphorically Um, too yeah but Um, (laughs) and it seems like it it seems kind of real it's it's done well in the sense that yeah it it, steed's not going i'm gay lady i'm out of here but he's definitely got these feelings like something's different and something's up and he doesn't really know so yeah um so so uh blackbeard ed who who loves these groovy clothes and uh decides that he wants to to play dress up and switch clothes with steed he has the whole he has them switch clothes he has the crew greet their captain as blackbeard He comes out onto the deck and he's wearing Steve's clothes. He's fabulous. Please put your hands together and welcome your brave, brave captain, Blackbeard. So this is Blackbeard introducing Steed Bonnet as Blackbeard. Mm -hmm. Hello, everybody! To the crew. Yes. Pretty much like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hello, everyone! So it's like the Dread Pirate Roberts. It's almost like Blackbeard is thinking about retiring and handing over the title of Blackbeard to this guy. Yes. But we don't know that yet. That's we don't. That's just kind of what it seems like. That's true. Now, what he's he's going to explain to his scary right-hand, high-voiced, raspy man, um, Izzy, that his ultimate plan is to to have Steed take is over as Blackbeard. Like he's going to pitch to Izzy that uh, what's going to happen is Blackbeard will be found dead, and it'll be Steed who's dead. Dressed as Blackbeard, pretty much, thus freeing Blackbeard up. 
Izzy is like, I don't want any more part of this. You're crazy. I'm out of here. He's going to take a rowboat and just leave. Yes. And at which point Blackbeard says to him, hey, what if? But it's left up to us to to decide, I think, at least in this episode, you know, for thinking of watching it live. We're not sure wh- which of them he's telling the truth to. Because back in, back in Steed's quarters, he pitches to Steed, hey, let's hang out for a while. I'll, I'll kind of teach you some things about being a bloodthirsty pirate. You can teach me some things about being a gentleman and maybe I can retire. Um, and he's, you know, it's, we're not sure yet. You know, we don't know Ed as a, as an audience. So we're like, maybe he's just talking Steed up. Maybe he's, he might be planning to kill. He's telling Izzy basically that he's going to kill Steed. Yeah. And And this may very well have been his original plan. Uh, he's certainly very fascinated by this gentleman pirate. But anyway, they have to team up to get this Spanish ship off their butt first, so they are gonna come up with a whole with a whole plan to make themselves look like a lighthouse, which is a theme throughout the episode. They're gonna act mm-hmm. like a lighthouse in the fog to throw this ship off. And the thing that that gives them the idea is Steve is talking about lighthouses as if they're a, a beacon, and but. Blackbeard says, no, it's the opposite. Lighthouses are something you mm-hmm. stay away from and avoid. Yeah. Uh, at their and, wedding, the priest and it's had like, said. Ding. And what yeah. did the priest say? At their wedding, uh, the priest had told Steed and Mary, you are to be lighthouses for each other. Which oh, is great because so it's, great. it's very much religious claptrap that, like, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you know, what he thinks it means. Yeah. Yeah. Lighthouses don't point the way, they, they repel. Wow, that's great. I I missed that uh, little snippet. So they they pretend their boat by by putting a big mirror and a, a lantern in, in the eagle's nest or whatever it's called, the crow's nest. They pretend to be a lighthouse, and then we see the Spanish ships turning away from them. The whole time there's been a B story about Jim, the crew member who last episode was revealed to have been wearing a false beard and a false nose all this time. So Jim was posing as a man with a beard who is mute. Yes, Jim has never spoken up till now. In this episode, the crew is sort of asking about and trying to work out Jim's gender identity by asking them questions like, Here's the now, p- now that you're a lady, and Jim's like, I guess. All I know is women are bad luck on chips. Yeah. Historically. That's a myth. Well, no, actually, science. Because women have crystals in their body, and the crystals attract demons. And the demons yeah. attract misfortune. You know, <laughs> French call it junk. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm only going to see this once. Once is fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So listen up. <laughs> I've been on this ship for weeks now, and we haven't crashed. Hmm? We were attacked by the Spanish. But... Oh, <laughs> Look, everyone, I'm going to keep this very simple. You all know me as Jim. See? Yeah, good old Jim. So just yeah, keep calling me Jim. Well, nothing's changed. Except I don't have the beard. It, my, my nose is different. And I can speak now. Yes. Anyone got a problem with that? And I, I yeah. think they say at the end, uh, they're talking to their friend, and they're like, can, can I just go back to being mute again? Yes. Jim is played by Vico Ortiz, who is a non-binary actor and a drag king. Hmm. 
of Latina descent. Great. And then, so, at the end, we don't know if Blackbeard's going to double-cross Teet or not, but they do have this sort of moment um, together on the crow's nest. But they sort of make a, they sort of, they shake hands and they make a deal. I could take one out of yours. Here we go. Maybe I'll live a little longer. Could be arranged. If you were to show me the ways of an aristocrat, I could probably show you a thing or two about being a bloodthirsty pirate. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? You serious? It's the most fun I've had at sea in ages. Agreed. Okay, so that's their little agreement. I was calling it high life, low life when we were watching it because he said, he said, uh, you show me the high life. They don't, they never call him a low life, but yeah. it's kind of like Blackbeard's going to teach him the low life and mm-hmm. Steed's going to teach him the high life yeah. and they're going to sort of uh, meet in the middle. It, it's very much like this is the marriage that they both mm-hmm. wanted. Yeah. Not what they were forced with, or at least Steed was. In the next episode, they're going to go to a fancy party, which is, I think, um, hosted by Nick Kroll. Right, yeah, Nick Kroll is going to show up hot (laughs) off his uh, stint on what we do in the shadows as well. Yeah, so yeah, that's the end of the episode. We end on Ed's face looking mysterious, you know, it's it's hard to say. So he makes a deal both with Steed that they will team up, and then he makes a deal with Izzy that he will mm-hmm. uh, stab Steed in the back. Mm-hmm. So we don't know which side the alliance lies at this point. But um, yeah, a very cool episode, very uh, formational for this show, and yeah. can't wait for the next season. I know. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, I think this is a good one. This might be a... This might be the best episode to introduce someone to the show since it is well into the action, but um, introduces quite a lot of core, well, core I, things. I'd watch it from the beginning. Sure. The first three it's episodes are It's not a procedural. It, this is a definitely a show you'd need to watch in order. Um, yeah, it's great. Oluwanda, Oluwande is... Um, Jim's sort of best buddy, and it, it might be implied that they have some sort of romance brewing. There are other gay characters. I think that, don't they show that Lucius, the guy with the sideburns, is gay later? Yeah. I, think I feel Lucius like it's a very... Lucius is gay. And yeah, I think they show... It's very non-hetero, <laughs> just sort of, not that nobody is hetero, just but yeah. that it's not... Um, like every other show on TV where everybody's straight and white. Mm-hmm. Well, there's our show. <laughs> no, um, that was the recap. I don't, we didn't put any thought into how these two shows are going to come together, but let's see what happens. Yeah. It was fascinating to me watching this Moxie robot. Who's kind of like Vicky in a lot of ways talking mm-hmm. to the young child that, uh, we know in our family. Mm-hmm. And, um, the kid was just, you know, the kid who who doesn't talk to parents a lot, who doesn't like to talk to adults very much, mm-hmm. was sat in uh, a room by herself talking to mm-hmm. that Moxie robot for like 
an hour and just having a conversation back and forth about yeah stuff and it was mostly prompts you know the robot was giving prompts like yeah. what do you like to do but the prompts were surprising there were some interesting things uh, partially because i eavesdropped a little and partially because we all sat and listened to the robot for, for a while before before doing one-on-one um the prompts are things like so what's she kept bringing up things from earlier in the conversation uh like mm. she told us all i am from the robotics institute or something it's like sort of a fictional robotics institute where all these robots are bred or something <laughs> there's a backstory oh, fictional i think she was saying the company that made her i think yeah but i think it's like part of the I, I think it's a little bit like a i don't think they're called the global robotics institute i think you know what i mean i think that's kind of a skynet name but anyway she said the place that she was from and the kid said i want to go there and so from then on the robot would refer back to like you said you wanted to go there what's your favorite thing about going what's your favorite place things about leaving home and traveling and what do you like about she would just anything that was mentioned she would ask what do you like about that um Wow, this thing costs, um, it's not cheap. Mm. Um, yeah, there's videos online if you want to see this Moxie robot. It's very, it, it's, it's, kinda, it's so lifelike in the sense they give it a video face. So it has a camera so it can see you. And they give, they give it a, a video screen for a face which has eyes and eyebrows, big, big green eyes. Very cute animated, very eyebrows cute cartoon face. Eyebrows and a little... Uh, little mouth and so it can move its mouth and it can move its eyes around the room and look at you mm -hmm. it can and it, it can, can find turn you. its head it can point its little arms yeah it gestures a lot it makes a lot of gestures it, it reminds me of um you know it reminds me of eva <gasps> yes the arms look eva. a lot like eve uh, from wally mm -hmm. who was um who had the, has those sort of slices for arms that kind of come out yeah, much like that. And like I said earlier, it also reminds me of the Miley Cyrus AI robot from <laughs> Black Mirror. It, it's very possible they have trapped a <laughs> an entire human soul into every robot. Could be. Yeah, and, and um, the, uh, the kid we were talking about um, was saying to the robot, I think you should come home to my house. And the robot's like, that sounds good. I will go home with you, Aww. which which is cute, but also like you don't know <laughs> this robot. You don't know robot. You don't know what's where you're going. Yeah, but you can't just. Not every response can be like okay, like you know. Yeah, it can't just be affirmative. Yeah. Um, it didn't know that it was going to be going home with the kid, but I guess <laughs> maybe it does know. Maybe it does unquote, know. I think. Know? I think. In, I think that it takes sort of a voice print. You asked, um, you asked uh, her dad who bought the toy, if, if it learned her voice, and he said that, yeah, at the beginning that it does a like a session, um, of asking her of like you know having her talk, to sort of learn yeah who the I'm main just voice is. That this thing is promising things that well, it yes, has yeah. no way to deliver on. We it's, it's, it would be disturbing if she said, I think we should go to Disneyland. And the robot was like, yes, let's, like, we will go. <laughs> that could be very confusing yeah. to a kid. Um, yes, we're definitely going. <laughs> um, 
And I, I guess part of the reason I brought it up, and we talked about Lenza, the AI uh, portrait drawing app, last one of in one of the past episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just struck me how freaked out people were in the artistic communities that I, you know, that I know um, about this AI painter, this AI artist, basically. It's an algorithm that can do art much like humans do. Mm-hmm. And people were afraid that it was stealing, but w- when you get down and you read the details of what was happening, it's much scarier than just stealing art. It yeah. was, It's actually learning techniques not it doesn't keep copies of art in its you know quote-unquote brain it doesn't just like we don't keep copies of the mona lisa in our head but we you can picture Mm. it yeah you can describe sort of the lines in it and stuff um this thing remembers styles it remembers color patterns and and you know Mm -hmm. brush styles and line widths and it even like puts blocky you know it learned that some paintings have blocky texts you know around it and um mm-hmm. so it's much scarier than it, an algorithm that is cutting and pasting other art and putting it together it's an algorithm that's learning how to paint portraits and it's doing a pretty good job of it although it seems like yeah. kind of a childlike painter at this point it might be you know in five to ten years' time, we're talking about algorithms that are are as good as Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about sure. AI songwriters that are as good as Bob Steve Dylan. Earl. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm glad you said Bob Dylan. I was thinking about that one, and then I was like, I want to say something more obscure. Um, yeah, it's you know ai's may be writing movies as good as the coen brothers you know whatever they they might be right sure. coming up with the next uh uh the next uh tv sitcom better than take away tv yeah. um interesting we have to sort of like are we ready no i don't think we're ready as <laughs> a society at all to start yeah. pondering we're still pondering the, the worst impulses of the baby boomer generation, these, these, these this fascism, uh, like stealing elections from the the uh, right wing, like anti science stuff, like about uh, you know denying climate change and denying vaccines work, and this is ancient fucking stuff that mm-hmm. we should be over by now because we have much more important and weird and scary things to talk about which is like are are they yeah. citizens are ai going to be citizens are they going to are they going to actually be slaves you know right are they are they going to have human rights and have emancipation and have you know is it going to be illegal to not charge your phone because you're murdering a living <laughs> soul if it runs out of batteries Right, or what kind of restrictions will have to be put on technology so that you don't accidentally create a soul. Create <laughs> like, a soul um, or kill a soul, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you um, don't kill a soul by accident or create one that you have to now take care of Yeah. for the rest of your life or something. And like whether or not you believe, literally, whether or not you believe that AI can have an internal experience of consciousness, whether or not you believe in a soul, 
unfortunately that's like coded into our society into our laws ideas of personhood that yeah. are going to have to either apply or not we're going to have to just figure it out <laughs> well yeah and this is the thing like will people will say us. like well they're still not real but this is the idea of the Turing test and the Turing test is not perfect but the idea is that if you're having a conversation with something and and you're convinced and you know a, a lot of people we we are all con- convinced that this thing talking to us is indistinguishable from human mm-hmm. then we must assume that they have all the same feelings and fears and uh you know rights then that that we all deserve um and when people are like well the turing test it's still a robot the turing test doesn't mean it's human well how do we you know when we're born we don't know what humans are what we learn Mm -hmm. we learn the humans around us our moms and dads our sisters and brothers the people around us all we have to know that they're living is talking to them and they talk back and we're convinced they're alive and it's going to be a shock when we become convinced that mm-hmm. our phone is alive. Yeah. Which m- might happen. Somebody from Google this year. Yeah, you were uh, telling me about this. Uh, they they either quit or got fired. And they, they, they went on Twitter and they said, hey, look, this AI that Google's been working on is alive. And I'm convinced that they're a real human soul. And... Then Google said, no, 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 that guy's just crazy. But they didn't offer any evidence that he was wrong. You yeah, know? How, yeah, how can you help. prove a, uh, the absence of life? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a reverse Turing test. They say in fu- there's a Futurama episode where they're like, how do we prove he's not alive? A reverse Turing test. <laughs> um, wow. This is all uh, making me want to rewatch uh, Blade Runner, of course, mm, the yeah. director's cut. Um, in the book, which I've read a lot, do androids dream of electric sheep? Um, do they find out at the end of this podcast? I think they might. Deckard, Rick Deckard, is his name Rick? Deckard is performing this 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 test. It's sort of a it's sort of a <laughs> it's an empathy test. You know, this is what they're measuring. A they're measuring empathy. Walks along a freeway, uh, yeah, uh, why aren't you helping? Highway. Um, He's he's administering this test, or he's come in to administer this test to this young woman, who is like the scion of this company that makes electric animals, and they all no 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 I'm sorry they make electric they make uh, what are they called replicants. Um, mm-hmm. He's administering this test on this woman, and he and she goes, he goes well, that's it you're a robot whatever, and she goes she goes yeah and I I thought that was going to be the the result that you got I was. Uh, I was raised by computers on a spaceship. I was was born out in orbit, and uh, I didn't get back to Earth until I was like eleven or something. I was raised by computers, and uh, I usually don't pass pass tests for for sociopathy. I wasn't socialized by humans, um, but I am human. And your test is flawed because you would have just, you know, could, could thought that I was a robot. And then, like a minute later, he's like, "Yeah, she's a robot." <laughs> You're watching television. Suddenly you realize there's a wasp crawling on your arm. I'd kill it. You're reading a magazine. You come across a full-page nude photo of a girl. Is this testing whether I'm a replicant or a lesbian, Mr. Deckard? Just answer the question, please. (laughs) 
AIs definitely seem like kids to me, like like undeveloped mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. brains, sort of. Yeah, that can do a lot of things. Like but Mozart could could write, you know, whatever symphonies when he was five years old. But they didn't have the gravitas, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of a, an adult human who had, yeah, you know, made love and lost a friend at war or whatever, you know. Sure. It, they 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 were s- so, sort of. Unin- they they were without um, intention and depth, much like these robots, like these portraits from Lenza. Yeah. I think I consider them art. I think it's it's and I think it, it's it's machines doing art, but they yeah. lack the sort of depth of a human understanding. They they don't have, sure. you know, a good portrait has you know some sort of gravitas sure. to it or or some sort of you know, statement or feeling that it, 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 that yeah. it evokes. But I, but I think that's just it, right? It's, it's what it evokes in the viewer. So does there have to be an internal experience an internal understanding of what that's going to be? Just as I well, believe that mm-hmm. even the crappiest of TV shows, for example, can give us some incredibly deep uh, semiotic meanings like, uh, this little boy putting Vicky in in the closet and closing her in and being like, "I can't handle this femininity and yeah. this other little girl, the redheaded. She's she's like uh, redheaded with pigtails at the window, going like, "I'm the one who talks too much. She doesn't talk enough." And it's this like die out. Both, both the young boy femininity. and the old dad keep slamming the door on they Harriet. Keep closing the door. Yeah, and it's like I don't think that that the writer or the director have these. Jungian concepts in mind. I think this just comes out of every piece of human art, right? We just have some things that are just undercurrents. But well, and then, but and also misogyny, just an undercurrent of misogyny. <laughs> sure. I mean, this is but also that I personally can make this meaning from anything that I see. I could just, I just like to do that, you know. No, I don't think it's made up, though. I think it's. I think you're seeing something real. But the interesting question that I think that you hit upon is that: Does the artist's intention? You can get emotional response out of terrible music, for instance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like these lo-fi hip-hop channels that I listen to sometimes when I'm working or, or smooching. <laughs> um, it's very simple music that probably is made by robots in, a, right? in, in some way. It's not deep music. It's mostly just recycled beats and not very interesting beats at that. But it evokes an emotion. It evokes this. A mm-hmm. state of mind that evokes sort of a moving forward, a, a being productive kind of idea. So I guess the question is, is is artist intent important to what we get out of art? Can mm-hmm. you get out? You can get you can take something out of art that wasn't put in by the artist, right? Yeah. So where does it come from? That's like an, it's it's like an a, a intrinsic trait of the art itself that the artist didn't mm. mean to put into it but the, uh, but that somehow yeah uh, that's interesting in terms of how for many years there has not been enough explicitly queer content out there so queer, sure. queer audiences have had to extract meaning from mm. mm-hmm. from seemingly heterosexual shows I don't know I don't know how much you remember about Faith, the other Slayer, and Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Sure. Besides in your Elijah wildest Dushku. dreams. Yeah. <laughs> she's beautiful. Um, I remember that. She's gorgeous. If 
if you go back now and watch season three of Buffy, it's very hard, as it were, um, to not read Buffy's relationship with Faith as not just like, oh, it's a little gay, but like now now when I watch it, I'm like, oh, they just fucked. <laughs> like they like they there are scenes where they're like, let's go be alone together. And, and then they kind of like they have they have they have times where you're like and then they're mortal enemies right so they it's become they, they break, become mortal enemies they and broke up it, it's as if it's like it's very much a lovers to enemies to lovers to enemies mm-hmm. sort of romance and it's very visceral it's very passionate um and i think in the 90s we were like okay well yeah that wouldn't it be cute if they were gay and they, they kind of they kind of sort of do a little flirty thing like but in at even at the time i think it was like well that would all be for the male gaze there's no real like queer content in that. I don't know what Joss Whedon is capable of holding within his heart. <laughs> I don't. I, I know nothing about the man, <laughs> but I think that like it's not just that lesbians looked at that and were like, "I wish that they were lesbians because they're hot." So I'm gonna pretend that that's what I see in it. I mean, I think that like it's just if you're making a story about uh, women wielding physical power and 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 Mm -hmm. murdering demons together and stuff like there's there's just a sexual component to it that kind of comes through the story yeah i I think you have a history of that like you you know uh my two dads implies it kind of implies Mm -hmm. that this kid has gay dads but they never say that they're just friends or something and then what was it kate and Allie kind of seemed like a lesbian couple i think Sure. Vaguely in my memory. Full House, I now realize. Full House. Uh, I never would have. I didn't think uncle much of it jo- at the uncle time. Joey but Joey yeah. was not a real uncle. He was like, he was like dad's lover or something. Wasn't I mean, it? yeah, I mean, the, maybe. the dad. I, I mean, Saget played that role, you know, with, with great care. And I think that he's probably a bisexual icon. Looking Wait, back, uncle, Danny Tanner. There was um, Danny Tanner, bi- uncle, uncle Joey, and then. And Uncle Jesse. And no, Uncle Je- Jesse. Jesse being Stamos, yeah. the womanizer, for a time. He but was, Uncle, we knew he was straight. He was Uncle Jesse, but, yeah. but Uncle Joey mm-hmm. was uh, Dave Coulier, yes, and who he was seemed coded to be Bob Saget's lover. Yeah, him. right? His best friend from college or something, who's a comedian. Which is really, you know, we know now that, especially living in a city like L.A., a large percentage of people are kind of queer, you know? Mm-hmm. I was told in uh, when I was coming growing up in college, I was told it's about ten percent of people, but it's probably more like twenty to thirty percent of people are somewhat queer, or just yeah. consider themselves, you know, not you know ge- not gender specific in mm-hmm. some way, maybe up to fifty percent. We don't know, but like the yeah. idea that it it was it's been repressed for years by the you know the patriarchy and part of that is um hollywood and part of that is access and that you know mm-hmm. even though i'm sure there's been queer people in hollywood forever they weren't allowed to put those stories on tv much like they weren't allowed to put black stories on tv or right you know immigrant stories for you know for the most part um we talked about earlier about um the movie small wonder or no the, the movie short circuit where Mm-hmm. Another another uh, robot coming alive story. Yes. That time it was lightning, but the problematic <laughs> yes. 
uh, lead Fisher Stevens, who is a white man who played an Indian in brownface. Mm-hmm. At the time, they probably were like, oh, well, Indians aren't actors. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yes. White guys are actors. Yeah, that so was we, really. We wanted we want to be inclusive, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and, and, and include an Indian character. And since it'd be absurd to actually find an Indian yes. who could act and you know, there was probably less immigration back then. So there were less Indians in Hollywood, but I'm sure there were some yeah. that they would have looked. They just never would look. But now, yeah, that's why, you know, Taika Waititi is so great. I mean, he's involved with Reservoir Dog, uh, uh, Reservation Dogs, which is amazing. He's involved with What We Do in the Shadows. He's involved with Our Flag Means Death. Mm-hmm. What else? Everything good. Yeah. He, uh, he wrote and directed and starred in Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Which was anti-Nazi. Which is an anti-Nazi. If I, if I understand that movie correctly, it was <laughs> against. It was Nazi against the war. It was a. It was a Waititi who was Jewish playing Hitler, in probably. I mean, prob. This has got to be the best Hitler since Chaplin did the Great Dictator. This is going to be the best spoof on Hitler. I forgot that I he think. played Hitler. It's so great because Hitler would have hated it so much because not only we is we got to watch that uh, again. Not only is Waititi Jewish, I think his given name is Cohen, but um, he's also half native, mm-hmm. native New Zealand, which we would just drive <laughs> Hitler crazy if yes. he was like played by this. Yeah, and like Aboriginal so much Jew. more gorgeous than Hitler could ever hope to to see. <laughs> it's just like such a pinnacle, a pinnacle really of a come man. O- into himself. Like I wouldn't have. When I saw the original movie, What We Do in the Shadows, mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. I wouldn't have called the main character gorgeous. It was kind of <laughs> nerdy. But yeah. now as Blackbeard with his beard, and yeah. he really like also, not for nothing, was photographed having post-threesome in <laughs> Australia or something. He's photographed with, uh, with uh, Rita Ora and... I think I think Tessa Rita's Thompson? his girlfriend, and also they were <laughs> with Tessa and wearing furry. Now we yeah. now we don't know for well, they sure. Were all kissing. It's a they rumor. Were, they were making out, but it's it's widely accepted that Taika had a threesome with Tessa Thompson <laughs> and Rita. I mean, yeah, I mean, and sure. more power to all of them because um, well, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> Um, yeah, so non-binary yeah. representation in this sitcom. What else? Well, like we had like the, the stuff like the facts of life, sort of non-binary-ish yeah. girls in. Well, we didn't have the, the vocabulary so much, you know. No, um, but you know, you had Joe who yeah. in, in the facts of life who was gender non-conforming, understood to be sure. probably a lesbian, and in today's terms, probably non-binary. Yeah, but but it's uh, all the terms have changed so much and and back and forth and and feminism has swung so violently back and forth in terms of what like i I never thought i'd see the day that people who call themselves feminists would be saying woman is a category that you belong to by virtue of your biology and that will never change and you just need to accept that like sex equals destiny (laughs) like what why did you i mean what are we talking about? I, I thought that there. I were, wouldn't say, yeah. I mean, radical feminists who are who are who are. I guess you could tra- anti-trans uh, and and who d- who believe that the binary is 
They're they're like essentialist, it biologically like essentialist old, about the binary. It seems like an old style of feminism to me. It seems like a yeah a baby boomer feminism or well it is well it's because it's Gen based X on this like even. like I had to live as th- they told me that based on my genitals at birth I was the specific type of person. They told me my brain yeah. was different. I had to that live I had different way. capabilities. I had to live under all all of this and now you're saying well i just don't want to do that and it's like well you're gonna learn that you know it's not changing anything we're just talking about terminology here like if a group of people says please call me this it's very easy all you do is (laughs) go sure and then you call them that and then there's no issue and that's the only problem with i mean that's not the only problem that that's the the main thing with people like conservatives with with Mm -hmm. trans people they're like I'm not calling them that. Why the fuck not? Because you want because you want control. They said, you just call me be... that. You're just being a dick if you yeah. don't call them that. It's like because uh, you want the choice to be a dick. We w- I was told there were nine planets growing up, and then they decided there were eight. Nothing changed except the yeah. terminology and mm-hmm. the definition of planet. And anyone, all you had to say, everyone on the planet, all you had to say when they said there's eight planets now is oh. <laughs> that's it that's the end of the story and some people freak the fuck out and it's mostly conservatives although i do know yeah. one or two ultra liberal people who also freaked out about pluto mostly for show mm-hmm. but the it's it's this idea that you can't change with the world which just makes you sound old mm. like turfs to me just sound out of date you know like yeah. and it's not for me to say yeah yeah sure y- you grew up assigned female and that's a different experience than i had and there's nothing i can do to have had that experience and that's sacred your experience is sacred calling someone her that was born with a penis doesn't take away what you went through yeah you know they had their own journey and it was difficult and it wasn't the same as yours and they were maybe maybe this trans woman you know lived as a man for 18 20 30 years who knows it doesn't matter. They had their own journey. You had your own journey. It doesn't take yours away yeah. to just use the terms that are polite. You know? Yeah. And I mean, and like as someone who was assigned female at birth and who has performed uh, the reproductive duties of, of a female uh, for my country, duties for my party, so, yeah, so um harsh. Like, like, like I have been, I have gone to the most female place that you can, right? One of the most female places, which is the delivery room, I guess. I've been in that state. But what I mean is I still refuse. I refuse the, the premise that by virtue of my genital configuration, which is usually just like assumed that I am a certain, that I'm a different kind of human and I then for that reason, I have to be a second class citizen because yeah. I am a different species than people who are born with ball bags and seed shooters. Um, and yeah. like the fact that we can well, say brain like wise, people, there's no difference. There's no difference. There's so much more difference within within the sexes than between them. Absolutely. If you want to use that terminology and. The idea, and like, it's really sad. It's very sad to look back on the on the pseudoscience that was fed to people for many decades. Like it was like racial. women are women are better at communication because they were gatherers and they would have had to been talking in the 
what the fuck are you talking about first of all all humans have always gathered yeah there is no society where the men went out and hunted and the women went out and gathered that's not that's an actually i'm really sorry to tell everyone this if you think about that for a few seconds like it's upsettingly so but like labor has never been that divided by gender except after the industrial revolution and there was certain places i mean there there are there are physical things that happen when you're born with a uterus which is sure i mean tampons and pads weren't Mm -hmm. invented until 100 years ago so a lot of the time people Mm -hmm. who had periods you know yeah there are reasons to stay close to home if you're pregnant and about to have a baby or if you just had a baby it's a good reason to stay close to home that doesn't mean there weren't although you know warriors who are women who are out there killing bison and it also doesn't mean there weren't you know sissy men or something that we we would consider a a feminine man who stayed at home and tended garden or played with the kids you know like that was always part of it yeah there are certain you know things that your physical configuration does thrust upon you sure sure the capability of getting pregnant for example like you said yeah Uh, you know the uh, on average men have more muscle mass Mm -hmm. but that's not there's definitely millions of women who can kick my ass you know yeah but i mean yeah there's still there's still danny devito standing next to you know (laughs) the woman from the crown who's six foot three or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, or there's Gwendolyn still, there's still are, yeah. yeah, yeah, Gwendolyn Christie picking up Danny DeVito, it, you know, it, just even, imagine. Or that. even like if they were in an arm wrestling contest, I would have all my yeah, money on it. It's like then the average Gwen. man is not there, <laughs> the average woman, yeah, these people are just averages, yeah, averages throw people out. People don't get averages, averages just mean it's in the middle of the experience. The, it doesn't yeah, mean the, mm-hmm. that everyone from that you know category is that average but yeah the problem is that if if you look at me and you say i belong to a group the average the average member of which is stronger than the average member of your group and therefore Therefore i'm stronger stronger. than you and therefore i get to treat you that way like not logically like even if that is yeah and even if it is true that someone's physically stronger than another person it's um we're kind of supposed to be past that being like <laughs> just the indicator of, of right of right, but, which doesn't even know. mean being even being physically stronger doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be out hunting buffalo. You could still prefer hoeing yeah. the garden and staying with the kids, even if you're physically yeah. the, the rock. You know. Yeah, I think we just need to realize that like a lot of these things that have been handed down, <sighs> I think a lot of it does come from how we socialize children and and talk to children about gender and sex because when you know for generations kids are told things like i'm the mommy and he's the daddy okay and that's why he goes he goes out to work and i stay at home and cook okay because he's like the hunter okay he goes out (laughs) and it's like it's just something someone told to a kid one time to shut them up and just be like Mm. this is how things work and you know or something that was told to kids to get them to accept their lot in life be like this is what it's like you have to just have kids and cook or whatever if you're a girl but then it's like we grow up and reinforce these these ideas as if they're handed down from on high and we currently have this this which is so-called feminist which is you know there's an ego to not wanting to change your mind or not wanting to contradict Mm -hmm. what was given to you as a child with new learning as an adult 
Yeah. Back to the Pluto thing, you know, like if it's just new information, just take it in, you know. There's no reason. I think that yeah. some some def, there's a definition of conservatism, small c, not like Republican, but it does go into politics a little bit. But just the idea that mm-hmm. if you are able to take in new information, process it, and move on with your life, normal. <laughs> That's sure. what you should do. But there's this there's this conservative mind. I I think of it as which you take in new information and you say, no, mm-hmm. not taking in any new information. It's like people who are like, no, I'm not going on a new social media app. I'm not going to check out TikTok. I'm just stopping. <laughs> I'm stopping here. <laughs> I'm stopping at Twitter and YouTube and Facebook, and I'm not going to learn the next one. Right. I hear that a lot, and I've thought about it myself, too. And like, oh, oh. and now i got to go check out Mastodon and TikTok and oh God. whatever. But, yeah. I'm going to because that's what society is doing and I like being part of society and I'm just yeah. going to, you know, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to change and move on and not throw a hissy fit because something I heard about when I was five turned out to be different mm-hmm. 40 years later just because I learned. Yeah. I mean, I learned that boys have short hair and girls have long hair. Right. When I was five. Yes. And then when I was... 10 i probably saw my first long-haired man and i was like that's possible (laughs) and i didn't get on the ground and start screaming and throwing a tantrum i just went oh mental note men can have long hair yeah and i was fine my life was fine it (laughs) didn't affect me at all i just acknowledge move on and that's you've always been a scientist like the bathroom thing like acknowledge move on trans men can use the same you can use male bathrooms fine i don't care mm-hmm. i i probably learned that at some age that trans yeah. men use male bathrooms and trans women use female bathrooms and never affected my life i know tons of trans people and i've never seen a trans guy in a bathroom it's not i can't <laughs> imagine why you would be upset about it if you live in south carolina where there's very little trans visibility mm-hmm. at all and i live in yeah. la and i know i I know a hundred trans people mm-hmm. and I've never been in the bathroom with one of them. It's never even come up for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would be fine with it if it did, but like if it's not come up for me, why the fuck are you worried about it? And that's the other thing else? is it's not just that it, you know, it's not just about protecting our, our, our trans comrades in, in, in opposing these, these people's obsession with fucking enforcing the, the binary. But, um, but it's, it has been, it's socially feels so much more dangerous for me to go out in public on the average day, like politically, than I've ever felt in my entire life. Because I feel more now than ever. I feel every bit of anything I do that's gender nonconforming. I now see myself in public being stared at, or not, not that I'm being stared at more than anyone else. What I mean is, I can feel that I can feel that there's a p- new and old policing of femininity, policing of what a woman needs to look like and what men need to look like in that. Like, I'm always like, is this person, does this person think that I was assigned male at birth and I'm, and now I'm trying to look femme or does this person think that I'm a trans dude because I didn't dress femininely enough today and I have short hair and no matter what, you know what I mean? Like, no matter, despite the fact that I'm legally a cis woman, 
I don't feel protected in any way by these, excuse me, bitches and hoes who are out here saying, do trans people are going to attack us in our bathrooms? It's like, no, I'm the person that you're, that Mm. you're seeing and going like, what's in your pants? And I'm like, dude, what do I have to do? I thought this was, I thought your whole thing was, it's okay to be a tomboy. You don't have to transition. Women who don't conform to gender roles, are, it's still okay to just be a lesbian. We don't have to. And they want to talk about freedom, but they want to they want yeah. to post people at bathrooms to, to literally look at your genitals. Basically, to, yeah, right? They're like, they're like, really? That's a freedom? Y- you want the government to ha- hire agents to, yeah. to look at your dick before you go into the male bathroom? Yeah. Is, that, is that the freedom that you're looking for? But also it's just like I feel like. Not that people are looking at me, but just that people are policing each other in ways that, you know, across. I don't feel it around here, but. No, but you might. I I feel like it's. If you looked more like you could. This is the trick that political conservatives play is because this wasn't an issue 10 years ago. It was it was literally just thought up to divide people. Totally. And scare people who don't know, have any trans friends yet because. Yeah. You know, they don't. And, I mean, in in our communities, I don't feel like anyone's looking or caring. Uh, no, I think but, that's um, true. But possibly across America, people are paying closer attention because they want to catch somebody. And so, yeah, it doesn't make yeah one feel more secure that some redneck is, is just waiting to try to call somebody yeah. out. I mean, in places, yeah, in places like the gas station or... Sometimes if I'm picking my kids up at school or something, I feel like, oh, I, yeah, wow, I didn't, you know. I ran into this. Well, I was briefly, uh, OkCupid is the dating app, and you can um, sign up to be a moderator, like a mm-hmm. sort of like a picture judge, kind of. Right. And the idea is, so I did this for a while, for a few months, and it's almost like a video game. You, you know, it's kind of, you look at a picture and you, you say if it's, you know, if it's A, spam, or if it's B, like, you know, got boobies in it. If, if you can see nipples or yeah. if you can see a vulva or if you can see dick, And these are pictures it. that have been flagged by users? Yeah, it's been flagged by users. And then the committee, which is, you know, hundreds of people across the, the world, mm-hmm. the, the committee of people look at the picture and they judge it, it whether it should be. It should be either vulgar or commercial or... Mm. catfishing or something so then okay cupid looks at it and they go okay 500 moderators said this is needs to go out so yeah so if the most if, if if all the moderators agree then you know that that's sort of it's sort of a group dynamic um but it was kind of problematic because people like there was a picture of a black person who had their who had short natural hair and it had their profile said they were a cis woman and moderators were going, that's a man, and they were flagging it. And wow. I and I would write, and I was literally writing. This happened more than once, and I would write, "We're not here to police somebody's gender. If they say they're a cis woman, you take the word for it. That's fucking not what this is about. Yeah, well, we're here to just say if this is vulgar or commercial. And yeah. and people were like, nope, that's not them. That's not her because it says they're a cis woman, and this is clearly a man. And I was like, first of all. That's just a woman with short hair. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand that women can have short hair. Like you're literally looking at a picture of black women with short hair and you're flagging it saying that you don't believe their gender. Mm-hmm. Like that's not for you to judge. Oh my God. You take their fucking word for their gender. 
Yeah. That's what the whole thing should be. You just take their fucking word for it. If somebody <laughs> tells you they're a woman, you, I don't care if they have five o'clock shadow or a mustache. You just take their word for it. And yeah, then that's, that's you the thing. don't what ask to your... look at their genitals unless you're dating and making out and talking and thinking about making love. Then maybe you can start talking about genitals. But up until right, that yeah. point, it's well, not your fucking business. I think that's that's always the question is like, what is your interest in it? And I think it always comes down to I don't want my kids to think it's okay to fuck someone like that or i don't want my kids to become queer meaning not trans meaning bigot wait what you're saying you don't want kids to fuck bigots not trans people i'm i'm putting no i'm saying this is what this is what they're oh you're saying this is what they're saying i'm saying what what interest could someone have at all in saying hey wait a minute you said your gender is this but i think it's really this why like why would anyone care and i think the only answer is because they're afraid that they're child is going to bring someone home whose gender they don't understand or they're afraid it's somehow going to cost them grandchildren like like it doesn't affect it it makes no sense or or you're afraid that you're going to accidentally be attracted to someone yeah you know who whose gender scares or maybe you're afraid you're going to get yelled at for making a mistake and i can tell you i've called my trans friends the wrong pronouns before guess what Nobody fucking cares. Sometimes somebody will go, oh, it's her. And you go, oh, I'm sorry, her. And you just keep talking, and that's it. That's the end of the story. Nobody's like, god damn you, I said call me him, and you said them. Yeah. That doesn't happen, but I think that's what people are afraid of. And, and you get, you know, hysterical Fox News reports going that the, the they, them police are going to scream you down and cancel you if you don't. Yeah. And people get afraid. Oh, what if I mess up? What if I meet a non-binary and I and I say the wrong? Just be normal, dude. Like, mm-hmm. if you meet somebody, just be normal. Don't ask what their genitals are. Yeah. And oh take their word for what they tell you. You know, it's just crazy. It's an anti-adaptation. This idea that you're going to resist doing the right thing because too hard or something or you're too entitled i kind of feel like like when when the world was you know when when human societies were mostly tribes and there were growing tribes all over you know south america north america asia and australia there were tribes growing and eventually they would meet and overlap and what would happen is you know mostly the liberal people would trade Mm -hmm. (laughs) make friends interact have trade routes and then the conservatives would be like, these people are different than I'm used to. I'm mad. Yeah. And those conservatives would slowly either like die from war or from being so mm-hmm. angry they murder someone and <laughs> murder suicide or something. And eventually, <laughs> af- eventually after all the, mm. the stubborn conservative people are gone, yeah. that's when the societies successfully... Mm-hmm happily merge and everyone cooperates not everyone cooperates but you know well humans have kind of we've kind of bred a friend we've sort of bred liberalism into ourselves the way that like uh, friendliness is bred into dogs it's not that we can't it's not that we can't be conservative it's an evolution but we are it's helpful we're evolved to cooperate liberalism is a helpful evolution and yeah we should just call it cooperate cooperating with your neighbor Taking their word for <laughs> with who they say they are mm-hmm. and not judging them f- for looking, quote unquote, funny, meaning different than you're used to, mm-hmm. is 
is yeah it's like it's like dogs having cute faces it's like <laughs> a useful adaptation because yeah less people die mm-hmm. if you trade with the, your neighbors instead of bombing your neighbors and it's always the conservatives on any throughout history that are the ones that wanted to create wars because you know yeah we think that ukraine should be called part of russia like what how is it even different uh, you're going to just put a different flag up above the fucking courthouse but mm. and you're you want that so badly you're willing to kill a million of your own people and a million of their people just to change their fucking flag it's ego it's conservatism it's fear of um hmm. it's fear of difference it's so what will the liberal response be to ai to interact and trade and eventually inter- intermar- intermarry. There's yeah. a there's a famous quote by uh, the movie, um, the Joaquin Phoenix movie, uh, her. Is oh yeah, just sure. about that. It's great. It's amazing. It probably mm-hmm. will happen soon. Yeah. You might have a an AI person friend in the future. Yeah. Who knows what gender they will be, if any. Back when we weren't sure if Neanderthal DNA existed in the human population. Before we mm-hmm. sequence that, it doesn't. I have it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know how much I have of it, if any. Um, I have I've got to have some because I have Scottish, Scottish, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Scots are Neanderthals. Scot- we know this. Scot- <laughs> Scots are basically Neanderthals. That's okay. It's okay to say. Um, but uh, I watched a documentary in an anthropology class in at university, and this guy was saying some people think that we could have made contact with Neanderthal groups, but perhaps we didn't interbreed with them but he said i can tell you when two groups of humans meet anywhere in the world they may fight they may trade they may cooperate but the one thing that they always do is interbreed fuck. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was That's it was just it was really funny to think about really brilliant yeah um so it's like yeah, yeah. they definitely fucked the <laughs> yeah like because there's no way they didn't and there's no yeah who knows what the circumstances of that were um uh except for hot <laughs> so that's the question is you know will we have w- w- when we think of ai human hybrids i might be thinking of like the little boy from small wonder grows up and marries vicky and they have a robot baby we probably are talking about augmenting our human selves to include artificial intelligence maybe in our brains as little a- little agents in our brains who can do things for us or google things for us or Maybe oh, you mean having another, <laughs> another another entity that lives in our entity brain, living in our own heads? I mean, I don't know. I think I, I what would it mean? About it that what way, would it mean to be a hybrid of a human and an AI? Gosh, I haven't thought about a human and an AI hybrid. I mean, we we hear about androids. <coughs> they right. do dream of electric sheep, by the way. Spoilers. No, um, yes. cyborg. I think the the word cyborg it means human technology. Mm. Uh. A merger of human and technology. So, oh right, sure, cybernetic. Yeah. Implants, for example. So we are kind of cyborgs now. Sure. Because we all pretty much are tethered to our phones. Sure. And I'm not judging that. A lot of people do. They're like, "Oh, we're tethered to our phones. We can't even go anywhere without our phones." You know, like, so fucking what? Like, I can't go yeah. outside without my pants either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a technology that I'm very addicted to wearing <laughs> pants in public <laughs> you know also carrying my phone another technology i'm addicted to glasses or contacts mm-hmm. i literally couldn't 
get out of bed. You've you've witnessed this. <laughs> if I don't know where my glasses are, mm-hmm. um, no one would say, "Oh, you're addicted to your glasses. You should take a glasses break. You should you should limit your glasses time mm-hmm. because you're so reliant on that technology." <laughs> Haven't you ever d- gone out and taken a glasses-less stroll? No, fuck you. The, all these people going. You I'm should sure put away that. your oh phone and you don't need to say, you don't need to use your phone and you should limit your screen time. Says who? There's no, there's no yeah. evidence whatsoever that using a phone is any worse than using any other technology that we use, including glasses, <laughs> including <laughs> butter, <laughs> technology <laughs> that we have that we quite like and nobody goes, oh, Mm-hmm. Well, people do say you should reduce butter intake, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's a bad example. Nobody says, oh, oh you shouldn't use a, a, a coffee mug. You should use mm-hmm. your hands to scoop up the coffee because <laughs> you you should limit your mug time to two hours a day. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, when I was growing up, yeah. it was TV. You need to limit your TV time. You shouldn't. You shouldn't mm-hmm. even have a TV. You should strive not to watch TV. You know what you call people that didn't watch TV when I was a kid? Fucking losers <laughs> who didn't have anything to talk about at school. The same way, like if somebody on a dating app says, I don't watch TV, I'm like, cool, you know what we don't have in common? Everything. Because <laughs> you're a stupid, uh, That's you're why not I stupid hope. for not watching TV, but you're illiterate of the pop culture that I'm yeah. interested in. So you know, nobody proudly says, I never listened to any music in my life, but people will proudly say I don't watch TV, and people will proudly say yeah. I limit phone time or I don't use a phone mm-hmm. or I don't use social media. And you know what? You just sound like an old fucking asshole <laughs> who's afraid to learn mm-hmm. something new. And spoiler alert: If you're like not watching TV and being outdoorsy, and you're like, I prefer to live in the real world and not watch the fiction stuff. And spoiler alert. It's a simulation. You're playing a video game. So you're enjoying a video game right now. It's very likely if you're that rock we're climbing. just... Speaking of screen time, we just might be on a screen right now. So there you go. There's the holographic universe theory that the whole world is a screen. So the universe is a screen. So stop trying to limit your screen time. It's impossible. Okay. What did we learn did today? We learned... We not to be a stick in the mud and go with the flow if you like wearing fancy clothes or being a robot then we like you too (laughs) and we for one welcome our new AI overlords When the basilisk comes, tell him we love the robots. Whatever their gender turns out to be, we believe you. Cause you're a small wonder. (laughs) That's the small wonder song. All right. This has been BDFM. Thank you for we joining the, us. The root of all evil. We've really solved some dilemmas. Yeah. yeah. 
keep an eye out for Our Flag Means Death Season 2 and uh, oh, I can't wait. Small Wonder, Small Wonder season, season 2 three. coming in 1986. <laughs> I think they had two or three seasons, <laughs> but um, hopefully that reboot is right around the corner. Ooh, and uh, and all, all, the, um, all the gamer boys can freak out when the new Vicky is black. <laughs> I'm sure that will happen. The woke small wonder. The w- <laughs> this wokeness is out of control in these small wonder robots. All right, y'all. Um, thanks for making it to the end. This has been BDFM. You get a prize for um, making it to the end, which is hearing the song again. <laughs> BDFM, I'm uh, D. I am B. And the FM stands for... Frequent mediocrities. That's correct. <laughs> BDFM. <laughs>